0: Last week, we finished up chapter 9 here in Mark, and we talked about how his public ministry in Galilee is now over, uh, things are changing. Uh, we only only have 16 chapters in, in Mark, so we're obviously w- well over halfway, uh, and the timing has got to be 80 to 90 percent of through the timing of his ministry um they go to bethany beyond the jordan here which is uh uh just a, its area north of jericho uh it's where he started his ministry so he's kind of coming back at this time doing some teaching uh and as we sung that earlier song you know trust and obey um those go hand in hand the first and and they're in the right order i think right trust or faith first then obey um i think that's what we're supposed to do if you If you want to uh, understand, you know, I know you've probably heard about C and E Christians, right? You know, Christmas and Easter, uh, which, you know, as as a, you know, very optimistic pastor, I'm like, well, I'd rather have C and E than none. Uh, But I do think you see as you go through a gospel like this, you kind of get to go, you get to be along the journey, you know. And, And if you've ever traveled with someone, you get to know them really well. And sometimes you wish you wouldn't. It depends on who you're traveling with, right? Uh, but with Jesus, I think, you know, they they they, they came, they, you know, these guys, three and a half years, w- we're thinking. <coughs> but you kind of get to do that when you go through a gospel. And you get to do that every time, uh, kind of understanding more. So uh, obviously we could sit here and talk about the different reasons why there's four gospels and why we, we have uh, sometimes very intricate and detailed things and other things. It's not, you know, God gives us what we need. But let's at least understand what we've got, you know, and try to, and that's what we're doing now. So he leaves there, verse 1, and, and, you know, coming out of Galilee and coming down to the regions of Judea uh, beyond the Jordan. This is where John the Baptist would have been when he was baptized. The crowds gathered to him again, so still very popular, and again, he was, his custom, he taught them. Uh, And the Pharisees come up, and in order to test him, ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Let man not separate. Now, I'm sure you you might have heard that verse nine in other contexts. This is a a, a term we use a lot when we do weddings. You know, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And that it's a good good thing to do. It's I think that it does apply to the individual marriages. But I think there's probably more going on here, and we'll kind of look through that here. Now, they're here. The Pharisees, I don't know if they've just got a few that are following him all the time, but they seem to find him. He's not hiding. Um, they're probably trying to trick him again. We see that in all of the Gospels. Uh, they want him, if they can get him to be seen as an opponent of the law of Moses, then they've got him. And uh, so they keep trying to do that. Uh, if you go through the Gospel of Luke, it's really, or excuse me, Matthew, you get toward the end, and it's it, it's almost comical because they keep coming, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Pharisees again, and they, they're they like, well, that didn't work. You give it a shot, and then the next one comes. Eventually, at the end of, like it's in Matthew 24, it's kind of like, we're done. We're not going to ask him any more questions. You know, even Pharisees eventually decide, you know, we're, we're we cannot corner this guy. We'll have to think of another way, and they, they obviously do that. But that's what they're trying to do, it seems like. And there was an intense debate in the first century. We have this from outside evidence um, about divorce uh, and the interpretation and application. You know, there was a kind of a more liberal view where you could pretty much uh, divorce for any reason, and then there was a conservative view that that, that had uh, a much more stringent uh, idea. Um, but I think Jesus always helps us here. This is a really big help for if you're reading through Leviticus, and, and even for people today on how we deal with it. We're going to hit this pretty hard. You know, we we talked a lot about the trust part, you know, with with communion and having faith and and what it means to be uh, a child of God and being able to come at the table with Jesus. Now we're going to go into the obey part a little bit, because uh, they they both go hand in hand. We all know John 14, 15 don't we? I mean, we all, if you love me. Keep my commandments. It's like I didn't say that; he did. Uh, so again, let's find out what he's what he's saying. So he he answers a question with a question. He's very good. Socrates did this. You should do this too, if you if it makes sense. Always ask clarifying questions. You know, if you get uh, if if you understand it, then you don't have to. But a lot of times, somebody will say something and we don't know exactly what they're getting at. So just ask questions. He said, well, what did Moses command you? I love that. You guys obviously are asking this for a reason. So what, what, what did Moses command you? What, you, know, you tell me S- and see what this does, and this is helpful. And it's not because you nec- necessarily want to be in power, but it's really good in conversations, especially if there are debates, if you can be in the driver's seat. It's really easy if you're on a stage with a mic to be in the driver's seat. Because I can just act like I can't hear you, even if you're talking, you know. Uh, But even, you know, if you're asking the questions, so they they had some presuppositions of what they thought. What do you think? Well, he's kind of like, well, what did Moses command? Isn't this where we should go back and look? And so they answer with a summary of Deuteronomy 24. Uh, You know, there may have been more, maybe Mark's summarizing this for us. You know, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. That's an interesting way to answer it, doesn't it? Notice what it doesn't say. Moses allowed the woman to write a man the certificate of divorce. It's kind of one-sided if you haven't noticed. And that's just, it's the culture was that way to some extent. But why all these laws? Um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But notice what Jesus does, and this is the key. This is the key to the whole passage. Jesus asked what Moses commanded and they answered with what Moses allowed. So do we go to the Bible to find out who God is and and what he requires and how we can live a life worthy of the calling or do we go to the Bible looking for loopholes? How much can I get away with and still get in? How much can I do that I want to do because certainly I don't want to do what he does because he's mean he being God. You know, that we get that, right? That's out there. It was out there then. It's like, you know, if you're going to follow God, the last thing you want to do is like it. You know, and I saw you guys singing, I don't know if you're doing it right. If you're enjoying yourself, I don't know. If you're enjoying yourself when you worship, you might just be doing it wrong. You know, that line I like to say, you know, if you're following Jesus and it's all boring, I think you're probably doing it wrong. Um, it's not that it's all fun. I mean, we just talked about his death. I mean, obviously it's not uh, something that, it's, but it's real. That's the thing. If you have a relationship with somebody in your life and it's always boring, and it's always just obligatory, and you just do it because you have to, how are those relationships? Are they deep? You're like, oh, I can't wait to go talk to this boring, obligatory person. But that's kind of what we do to God sometimes. It's I, I don't think we know him very well. I, my Jesus is, is pretty humorous sometimes. He made you guys. I mean, <laughs> I, sh- I was supposed to say he made the platypus. That's what you always use, you know. It's just like, well, we got some spare parts here. Let's throw them together, you know. Um, but, but again, he's got to, he's, he's, you know, I, I think my Jesus in my movie, it's not that he's cracking jokes all the time, but I'm sure he, he probably enjoyed his life sometimes. Um Yes, there's a time to be serious, I realize that, and you want to be serious when it's time. And he's pretty serious now, but th- this is different. Just because God says, well, you can do this, if that's the best you can do, but I, well, how did Paul say it? I, I'm asking for a more excellent way. You know. We can do that, right? I mean, you could probably say, well, y- I've heard this people, well, you don't need to go to church to go to heaven. It's like, Man, that's right, but why wouldn't you want to go to? That? That's the question. Why do you think church is bad? Worship is bad, and I must be doing something wrong, and I can throw Aaron under the bus because he's not here. <laughs> you know that that's just it, it what are you What are you worshiping for then? Is it just just something to do? I guess there isn't a whole lot to do in Denison on sunday morning, but but again w- can you get in by the skin of your teeth I suppose uh but that is that what you what you're think again, go to other relationships. You know, you want to go do something? Well, no, I'm not really obliged to do anything with you today. <laughs> it's not Sunday. Yeah, that's so. so he's not questioning their interpretation. I mean, they're right, but he does question the spiritual state of the people then and now. Hardness of heart. We hear this. We kind of know what it means. It's not good to have a hard heart. It's not open to change. It's not open to the spirit. Ezekiel says, you know, I'll take your heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. That's what the Spirit does. So a hard heart is one that by definition is not listening to the Spirit, to God. And so it's about pride, really. It's about I've got it. And and you, you can see that so quickly in the Pharisees. You can see people back then. Because of their ungodly pursuit of sexual immorality, God allowed divorce... To protect the women and the children, and you can read in Leviticus, and that's pretty much what it comes down to. Because these are the potential victims in a divorce, uh, and it's might not be quite as true in our culture, but it's 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 got it's some truth, right? Uh, it's a protection thing. So Jesus does this in six through eight; he goes through and goes to the heart of the issue. The problem is not divorce. The problem is not ultimately it's your heart. It's who you're trying to please. And how did God create you to act and be and relate? And that's when we come to, we've we got a lot of confusion on this today, don't we? It's really not hard. It's, it's hard to get into discussions with people, but it's the, 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 the information is not hard. And I know when, I, when I you say things that, you know, God created marriage, you know, everybody likes hearing that, right? Nobody will ever question you on that, you know. It's, but who did? Who created marriage? Who came up with this? We don't even get out of chapter 2 of Genesis, and we already got it. So, really, people in society don't have the God-given right to redefine it. You can do it, but it's not going to honor God. It's just not, is that our goal? That's really what it comes down to, isn't it in our life? Do we honor God, or do we honor self? And the beauty is when those line up. When what you want to do is what honors God. That, if you can get there, then you're doing good. Uh, But, you know, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, you know, kind of my life verse for now. You know, we destroy arguments. I like the word, too. It's not we kind of just make those arguments look kind of wishy-washy. Or we, our arguments are better than their arguments. No, we destroy them. You know, it's just like, and it's cool because our arguments have God behind them. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises itself up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is really easy on one hand and really hard on the other. You know, we all have things that we're pretty, you know, it's like you're not even tempted by it. It's like, you know, why would anybody do that? But then somebody, you know, something happens, oh, I'm tempted by that. I don't think I want to destroy that argument. I don't even want to take that thought captive because, you know, that's where we get into trouble, right? You know, it's always temptation will not be tempting if you don't like what it's tempting you to do, right? Satan appears as an angel of light, it says in First Corinthians. I don't know if that's supposed to be taken literally. It doesn't really matter, I guess. But it means that he's going to tempt you in ways that look good. How many times have we, if you really love me, you will, fill in the blank, you know. And I think the person asking that may really think that your the, the love is based on this because it comes back to what this verse is talking about. Who are you? I've always thought if we did that, it'd be annoying, but it'd be kind of cool too, you know. Well, who are you? Oh, I'm Brian. Well, tell me about yourself. I follow Jesus. Oh, great. You know, you can just hear people, <laughs> it's like, oh, one of those. You know, it's like a leper. It's like unclean. You know, but you just, it, 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 it is. But that's where our identity is. And that's the problem, isn't it? Is our identity in Christ, in God who created us, or is there an identity on our other relationships and what we do? Now, it's not that we're not identified by those, but they can't be the main identity. And that's what he does. Where's your identity? That's the problem. You know the incla- unclarity of gender and attempted marriage redefinition in our current age dishonors God because He already told us it's not hard, right? I mean, you go into the Bible; it's not hard. It's it's sometimes hard to tell people. Um, you think yeah, I mean it's your movie, I guess, but you think Jesus was struggling getting this out, or did He like saying it, or because it's hard sometimes if somebody comes up to you and says. My relationship with you will stop if you don't agree with this particular point, and you know it's against God. That's hard, especially if it's somebody really close to you. And i would like, well, no, it's easy. You just do what Jesus Well, yeah, it's easy to say. It's, it's all harder to do. And, the, it, and then a lot of times it's not all or nothing. You might just ask why. Questions. Why, why is this so important to you? Is there a way we can maybe not agree on this particular point and still have a relationship and try to learn from each other? You know. Now, I'd love to say I always think that, but I don't. You know, we sometimes think, you are really messed up. You know, and, and that's not the way we should do it. But again, a hit that it's not hard. All you have, I said most problems, if we're trying to figure out what God wants, just read the text. I mean, I hope you study it too, but just read it. And I, I, whether you like it or not is really not the relevant thing. Do you think the disciples liked the fact that Jesus was going to go die? Do you think it's fun to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him? Eh, it can be some fun there. But you know what? It, 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 it just because it's sometimes hard is it's like, wha- who are you serving? Who are you trusting? So. This is, these verses are very good for the cultural debate right now. I think it answers them all. Whether you go to same-sex marriage, transgenderism, gender, all that stuff, I think this answers every one of them. And who, mine's all red letter. I've heard it say, well, Jesus never said anything about those things. I think he did. I think he goes deeper and says, this is the problem. What has God done? You know, this is what Jesus think makes up a family. I mean, I think that's, and again, are you going to follow what Jesus said or not? You can't say, I follow you, Jesus, except on these few points that I don't really like what you said. You know, I don't like pastorisms, you know that. I'm not a big bumper sticker fan. Uh, but, you know, Jesus, if you call Jesus Lord, Jesus, he said it himself, it's like 646. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's not a Lord. That's kind of a partial Lord. Yeah, you can read Revelation. That's kind of a lukewarm faith. What does Jesus do to the lukewarm Laodiceans? Spits them out of your mouth. You ever had lukewarm water? That's kind of the idea. Yeah, yeah. So one man and one woman before one God for one lifetime. That is is always the key. So let's define it in a positive way. I mean, now you've got it. It's not hard. Does this fit? No. Well, then it's not hard. It doesn't mean you say, get away from me because I'm too pure to be around you. Well, no, that's not the point. Did Jesus do that? He's talking to these schmucks, right? He's trying to get them to understand. This is how God made it. That's his words. It's the way he intended it to be. Anything other than this dishonors God. And we always have to remember when we're telling somebody this, that we have done things probably in the last hour that dishonored him too. It doesn't mean we're just as bad, blah, blah, blah. That's that's silly. You know, it's not like, well, let's just talk about all our sins until we get to the point where we're all so bad nobody cares. No, let's let's focus on the fact that Jesus died for this stuff. He gave his costly grace for this stuff. He wants us to have a good relationship with each other and a good relationship that honors him. This is good stuff. This is positive. Bring the positive thing to the d- cultural debate, not the negative. Because you're just, again, you're just one beggar telling another beggar how to find bread. I mean, that's what we're always doing, and he's the bread. So believing, teaching, and living like various types of sexual relationships other than what God has defined are permissible is simply saying that you are wiser than God. I put foolish, we all know it's just stupid, right? I mean, if you don't say you follow me and then just uh, pick what you want. You know, they call that smorgasbord Christianity. Most of you don't know. We could call it buffet line. That's probably what we would call it. Buffet line Christianity. I like that. I don't like that. I'll just take what I like. Yeah. And again, back to wh- wouldn't it be cool? I think it could be a good prayer, wouldn't it? Lord, help me like what you like. You know, th- that's really a good definition of following Jesus. Wanting what he wants. And what do you do when you, he wants something that you don't want? I think you pray. <laughs> you know, I, and I do that. It's like, I know you want this. I clearly do not. I you, Help me want what you want. However that works. It's kind of like forgiveness. We're supposed to forgive people, but it doesn't say that we're always going to feel like it. So you pray for the feeling. And I think God will give it to us over time. But a side note is, again, we've got Old Testament, New Testament. We have Jesus showing that the law of Moses, the old covenant, had its jurisdiction for a time, but the new covenant in Christ has now come and followers of Jesus are under its jurisdiction. It doesn't mean the old covenant is bad. It doesn't mean the old covenant's not useful, and it certainly doesn't mean we're not supposed to read it. But it's not what—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a shadow of what we're really supposed to do. I've always say that you—we're—I go- follow the Ten Commandments. It's like no, you don't. But anyway, um, you know, nobody follows the fourth one or the fifth one, depending on if you're Lutheran. But you know, it's the same one; it's just a number different. Um, today is what Sunday. So it's the Sabbath, right? Not according to the old covenant. What did you do yesterday? Friday from sundown to Saturday to sundown, did you worship and not work? You just broke the Ten Commandments, dude. Don't do that. Well, he redefines it, you know. Every day is the Lord's day. So that's the thing. You know, again, you want to follow the, You think the Ten Commandments are hard, it's follow the Sermon on the Mount. It makes the Ten Commandments look like child's play. You have heard that you're not supposed to murder. At this point, I'm still good there. But I tell you not to get angry with people. That one I've got a little trouble with sometimes. And you are in danger of hellfire because, oh my golly, okay, this is much harder because it has to do with my heart, not just my actions. Galatians 3, so then the law was our guardian. Love that word. It's a guardian. It protected people. It showed us who God was. It showed us that you fall short of his glory. Until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith, which so was Abraham. But now that faith has come, faith in Christ, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. That's a cool, really neat verse. So Deuteronomy 24 no longer directly applies to us, but Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7, all these they do. And you think Deuteronomy 24 is tough? Now look at Jesus here. Oh, you think the laws in Moses are tough? Huh. I gave you those because you guys were so hard of heart. I want your heart. I want everything. The new covenant has its old moral demands, and they're much tougher because it's about our relationship with Jesus. So, what should people do that want to honor God with their lives but have divorced for selfish reasons or ungodly sexual relations? What happens? you know Is this the unforgivable sin? <laughs> you know you read first Corinthians six, I love eleven, and we'll look at a few later here too but and this is such a good line. He gives this you can go back and read it if you want, but he gives this l- list of all these bad things people do you know list of all kinds of things, and we have to remember that uh Something like homosexuality is in there, but so is gossip. Let me tell you about this person. No, I'm just kidding. Think about it. We do this so it's so easy. It sneaks in all the time. But he says all these, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if if you're characterized by this stuff, if that's what you're following. But then he said to the Corinthians, such were some of you. And this is really bad stuff. You were like that. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's a really cool verse because you all were that way. You might not, you're might you on that list somewhere. And you don't have to yell it out right now. But the other thing later in this, he says, from flee from sexual immorality. Well, why? Well, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's something different about that. And We can look at every culture, and this is the problem, right? You can go back to Rome. You can go back to the Visigoths. Wherever you go, it ends up being this that kind of shows itself when the hearts start to get hard. So you try to flee it. Because what? if you were going to destroy the family, what would be the best way to do it? Right here. That's why he's so. So what about those who divorce for non-biblical reasons? You're going to see a word that starts with an R in all four of these. And it's a really cool word. It's a nice prophetic word. Repent. If you know someone or yourself been divorced for non-biblical reasons, then repent. And God will forgive you. Isn't that cool? And And, and whatever you did, all of a sudden God doesn't see that anymore. It's it's really neat. Repentance and, and forgiveness is just a really cool thing. And reconcile with the person if possible. What about men and women in semi committed sexual relationships with no lifetime commitment before God? Well, he says we should have a lifetime commitment. So what should you do? Come on, Baptists, just go. Repent. We can really get going here. And make that commitment before God. You know it's good. Uh, most of the marriages I do, people are in this situation before. And I could say, well, no, we're too holy for that. But I'm like, Let's m- okay, great, I'm glad you're here. What about same-sex sexual relationships of any form? Repent and stop. Why? Well, because those relationships should never be sexual. It's clear. They'll never honor God that way. And the culture's going to say, we don't like that. And I'm like, eh, Sorry. I I just decided to put all my eggs in the Jesus basket, and he said this was not right. But he does love you. He does care about you. And even if you're going to stay in this relationship and you don't agree with me, it doesn't mean our relationship has to stop. We can still, I don't know about you guys, but there's a few people I know that I have pretty close relationships that still sin. I know you all don't have any of those, but I have a few Number four, those who have had sexual relationships outside of Christian marriage, repent. You know, it, it again, it, it's always, you know, just approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that if you truly, really want to honor him, that that's all going to get well. You, such were some of you, but you were washed. That's that th- you've got to come again with these types of things. I understand it's tough in our culture, but you, it's hard. It's hard for me to... But each one of these persons that are having these situations and they're doing things that dishonor God, God created them, he loves them, he died for them, he wants them to have a relationship, and this is stopping that. A loving thing to do is to try to help that. And It might take some time. I know some of you, you didn't get everything cleaned up in five minutes either. So let's finish up here. In the house, the disciples asked him against this matter, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. If that's what you're doing it for, it, it's not real. Um, he just clarifies. There's a higher standard in the new covenant. There always is. That's what you, you say. Well, we should follow the, you know, we're, we're being too lax. We're not following the old covenant. The old covenant's candy compared to the new. Um, Jesus doesn't just want to change the way you act. He wants to change the way you think. And let's finish up with the children here. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. There's a lot that could be said here. You could do a sermon just on this. But I think we need to take this in context. When you have a marriage, eventually one of the things that can that can come out of that is kids. I, I don't know if you knew that, but it's true. So I think there's more to it there. After discussion of the family above, Jesus addresses, you know, alludes to God's plan. That's what he, the plan for continuing families. This was the very, it, this isn't Genesis 1. This is pre-fall, be fruitful and multiply. If you, you know, The forces of evil, if you want to screw up society, if you want to mess up Christianity, attack the family. Get rid of the family, the rest of it will take care of itself. And that happens. And it can happen to us. So children suffer greatly because of sexual sin. This is the thing we forget. And And I look around, you all know this, right? Some of you are probably victims of it. It's, it's, it's tough, and that's what the church is here to help, obviously. But you always try to get the family together. So when he says, like a child, it's trusting the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that they know best. For marriage, for families, and eternal life. Because if you're going to redefine marriage, you might as well redefine the whole thing. I mean, what if we did this? You can define marriage anytime you want, and if you're going to have eternal life, you have to be a Bears fan. Talk, I'm trying to think of the hardest thing to do. <laughs> but think about, do we get to redefine eternal life to something less than what Jesus does or something different? Let's not do that. It's all about humility. Do, he gives more grace. That's how this starts, the grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's the idea. Humility, you'll always be humble if you see God clearly. Just read your Bible, Isaiah 6, Ezekiel 1. Peter after the great catch, once they encounter God, there on their belly. I'm like, I am not worthy. And God says, you're right. But I'm still here for you. So ultimately, our purpose in this life is not self-happiness and gratification. That'll come if you just honor God. If you put him first, that'll bring the joy. The rest of it will come. If you have joy, happiness will come. I don't think it's that hard. So he answers this divorce by going all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, and that's what we should do. How were you created? What were you created for? And does the Creator get to tell you what it's all about, or do you get to? Yeah, I think the Creator should get to. And he tells us, you know, come like a child because you are. Really, that's what the whole life is. Believe in Jesus, become a child of God. You know, that's what the whole gospel is, follow him and we get to call God father it's really kind of cool and then we can trust him not just with our Sundays but with all of our life as we've been singing and reading about let us pray father we do uh, look at these texts and in our culture there's a lot of uh, confusion not just about how we're supposed to act but who we're supposed to serve And we know that if we serve you, that you do have requirements for that, not because if we mess up that we are no longer your children, but because if we mess up, we've severed that relationship or at least caused problems with it. So help us all want to follow you, want you to tell us what it's supposed to be like, and want you to uh, give us what we need uh, to be true children of yours. We know you love us. May we love you back by our actions. We pray in Jesus' name.